Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, and welcome, everyone. Um, I am not Susan, but I am looking for Susan in the queue, and I'm not yet seeing her hand raised. So, Susan, if you are here and under another number, if you could just press 1 and raise your hand, and I will open your line. 
Uh, if Susan is not with us yet, then I will again welcome everyone for being here. I am Sarah Ellen, and uh, hopefully Susan uh, is just on her way to join us and will be here to share with us this evening in just a few moments. Um, so I'm not seeing her yet. I will just give a reminder to everyone that this evening we're going to be joined later on um, by Frances Pitt, and she will speak with Susan for half an hour, the last 30 minutes of our show. Uh, Frances is an international professional speaking and um, training business professional, and she does lots of other interesting um, things, and um, I'm pretty fascinated to be introduced to her later as she speaks to all of us. Um, I'm still not seeing Susan in the queue, so uh, let's see. Susan, if you are here under another number, please just press 1 so I can see you and open your line. And, um, yeah, it doesn't look like she is with us yet this evening. So uh, there we go. Now I see her. Here she is. Hey. Susan. Hi. Hi. How are you tonight? We are great. How are you? Just fine. Thank you. I was uh, pouring over the announcement um, that's going to be going out tomorrow or the next day about sharing people's medicine, the new correspondence course. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. I was talking to people. Yeah, very excited. Right. It's going to be a – we're going to have a – sale on correspondence courses, which we hardly ever do, and all correspondence courses will be $50 off. Wow. You can get get $50 off every time you you buy. I mean, if you want to buy more, it's just for two weeks, December 1st through 15th, but you can buy as many correspondence courses as you want and get $50 off on every one of them, including the new one during that time. That's so generous. Oh, wow, that's so exciting. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm really, really excited about it, too. Just really, um, you know, it it helps me rest easy. Hmm. Mm. Nice. Yeah. It gives me... The the sense of um, having said what I need to say about the issue, mm. Mm. and so if anybody asks, what Susan said is, you can't do it wrong. Go out there and experiment. Teach each other, and keep it going. Love, oh, deep, 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 deep love. That is, oh. People's medicine. Yeah. It is of the people and by the people and for the people. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Blessed be, that's the way it's got to (laughs) be. The many, 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 many people, yes. (laughs) 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 So. 
how's your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was lovely. It was quiet. It was um, stomach filling and nourishing and uh, grateful. That's, yeah, how I would say. Very, very lovely. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the people I was with. And I, was, I was in a beautiful place. As my cousin said, people asked me if I will ever leave here as we're trudging up the hill. My Fitbit said that it was 20 stories that we went up. But we when we got to the top of the hill, you could see all around for miles. She says, so long as this is my backyard, I'm staying. Wow. And you yeah. were in California? I was in were- California, Pomona, Pomona, as a matter of fact. Pomona. But... I, you know, I realized how protected I keep myself from what America eats. Oh, wow. What was your things in Pomona? You know, and there I was in the lap of America. Well, our Thanksgiving was fine because, of course, I was there with the two chefs, my daughter and her, right, chef instructor at the Culinary Institute, David. So David made the bird and the stuffing and the gravy and the mashed potatoes. Thank you very much, David. And Justine made broccoli and asparagus and cardoon, which is the thick mid-rib leaf stalks of a kind of thistle. Wow. You You have to treat them like dandelion and blanch them, but you have to put boiling water on them and throw it off a couple of times. And then after she'd done that, she put them in a baking dish with mushrooms she had sautéed and some Parmesan cheese. They were wonderful. And meanwhile, I'm making roasted vegetables with another, you know, half dozen different vegetables. And my cousin is saying, oh, that's way too many vegetables. And we're going, no, 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 it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, we eat a lot of vegetables. (laughs) Amuses me is that generally I find that I eat far more vegetables than vegetarians. Mm. Mm. Vegetarian diet. In a study published August 11th, 2022, by the um, BMC Medicine, vegetarian diet was linked to hip fractures in women. They tracked 26,000 women aged 35 to 69 over 20 years. And regular meat eaters had five or more servings of meat a week. Occasional meat eaters had fewer than five. Fish eaters ate fish but not meat, and vegetarians had neither fish nor meat. About 820 of those women had a broken hip over for 20 years. That doesn't sound like a lot, does it? Yeah, no, that's the first thing that struck Right, that's the first thing to, I think to really hear in this study is, you know, out of 26,000 women, 820 actually had a broken hip. 
vegetarians were 33% more likely to have a broken hip than those who regularly ate meat, including Mm. those who ate it only occasionally. I think if we did a study also looking at women who don't do real dairy products, I think we would find a similar kind of thing. There's something in the animal products, and Western Price talked about this and I think had some names for it, that seems to um, allow um, the body to utilize the things that come in from the plants. So, I eat a very high plant diet, but I eat meat. When I made the roasted vegetables, it was because we were also roasting um, the leg from day. Mm. You remember the two baby bucks night and day. Mm-hmm. So, we had leg o day. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So let's see, Susan. Long about this time, usually talk about who you're going to interview, and that is Francis Pitt. Now, where did I put? the actual thing that has information. Well, good work at hiding it from yourself, Susan. Excellent job. (laughs) (laughs) I had it right out here, too. Francis Pitt, um, you know, the most notable thing that I remember about reading through about Francis Pitt is that her favorite or most often asked for seminar is, the greatness you are seeking is seeking you. Yes. Mhm. Here we go. Let's see. What else do we have to say about Frances? Well, we know that she will be with us at nine o'clock, and that you can hang out here with us until then, or come on back. Um. She is going to talk about realization, recognition, and acceptance of the manifestation of greatness. Right thoughts, right words, right actions, right reactions, and right feelings. Francis Pitt, tonight with me at 9 o'clock East Coast time. Anybody with any questions? Or well, first, uh, let me ask uh, if anything's going on with you. Oh gosh, no, we're just uh, still we're finishing off the last of the leftovers and getting ready for I think the real start of winter here. Um, the poke, as we've been talking about, is yellow skeletons at this point, and I'm um, starting to bend over. Right, all yeah. over the grounds, flop. <laughs> it finally hit yeah. that point. <laughs> yeah. I was just picking it up off the grass so that it wouldn't swish it over the winter. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I was just um, playing with one of the berries. It was, like, so shriveled up compared to how it was just. Uh, yes, often I had berries at this point, but there was, it, because of the drought here, the birds ate all the pokeberries. Oh, my goodness. There's so much poke around here and the couple counties around here, and it's just so prolific. There's berries. There's berries on a lot of those. So. More berries than birds. Way more berries than birds. Way yeah. more berries than With birds. It's the word. Come on over. And yes, to answer your question about if we had any listeners that have already pressed one, we do have one listener that has pressed one. And I'll remind everybody else, if you've got a question or would like to speak live with Susan this evening, uh, you'll need to press one so we can see you in the queue. Are you ready for our first uh, call? Please. All right. And from the 414 area code, you are live with Susan from the 414. Hi, this is my first time calling in, so I don't know if you guys can hear me. Oh, we're not guys, either one of us. Oh, sorry, ladies. Thank you <laughs> so it. much. Thank you for correcting Appreciate me. That. Yes, we can hear yeah. you. I have a couple questions. I don't know if I can ask just one or a couple. Well, why don't we start with one and see how long it takes me to answer it. Okay, and they may some right. of them may be related. Um yeah. But I've had, so ever since I got, I believe, I don't know for sure, but I feel like there might be a correlation. Ever since I got um, the COVID vaccine, I've started having candida rashes under my arms. And it's been going on about a year now. It will start to go away. It will come back. It will start to go away. It will come back. Sometimes it's a lot worse than others. Um, So I don't know. You're telling me it's a candida rash because you've had you've gone to a doctor and the doctor has has diagnosed that. Yeah, and then she had given me um, a cream that I was using, and that did help for periods of time. Um, only I only did that when it was really really bad. Um, but I tried the cream this time. Um, my mom had told me to put comfrey on it and calendula, so I did that. And sometimes it would help it go away and then changing my diet. And then this time the cream and all that made it significantly worse, and it's really bad and won't go away. So, and the doctor still oh, I'm so it's, sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's okay. so what I want to know is what it, looks like and what it feels like um very itchy and if i let the itch overpower me and i scratch it then it gets really really red and burns um so i try to avoid doing that but every once in a while it gets the better of me um but it's pretty red and it's like spreading up my arm and down like my into my brow line a little bit um but definitely red. Sometimes it gets a little flaky. So if you were to put your hand in your armpit, would any of the rash be visible? If I put my yes. If you covered it with your hand. Yes. 
yeah, or putting your hand in, up in your arm, arm and down. Is, so is the rash bigger than your, than your hand? Yeah. The extent of it, yes. Yeah. And when you say changing your diet, can you tell me a little more about that? Um, like trying to minimize things that make candida worse, so like avoiding alcohol, sugar, breads. That's pretty much it. Which are things I tend to do typically anyway, so I'm still surprised that I am getting this rich. So you started off by saying you think this is related to the vaccine. I do, and I don't know for sure. So does that, I want to know if that means that what you're saying is you are doomed for life. I'm wondering if it's triggered. I just want to know what you think about this or whether you think there's a certain point at which there's no actual further effect from the vaccine. Now, the medical profession seems to think there's a point at which there's minimalized effect, which is why they suggest boosters, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. So... Well, it could not uh, be. It could just be so, a coincidence. So my understanding is that although there can be a reaction to anything that is introduced into the body, that that is generally not ongoing. Okay. And if it is ongoing, then the insult is ongoing. Okay, that makes sense. It could just be a coincidence. I just was uh, Well, it's, I hear you that it started then, but continuing on is it, it is not easy to understand. Okay. Is what I'm saying. And since you can't undo having been vaccinated... And so that's why I wanted to know if you think that because this was caused or started at the time of vaccination, you are now doomed to this forever. I hope not. Or if you agree that there's a time after which the vaccine doesn't have any effect on the body. I don't really know for sure, but I would assume. I would assume. I know some people that have like autoimmune triggers. It did go away, so I'm. That's why I was like, "Oh, this is still happening. Maybe it's something else." So, yes, that's my sense. Is that it's probably something else, but also that if you want to, you can say, "Times up." for any reactions to the vaccine. You know, when we were children and our parents made us do things we didn't want to do or they were unfair or they didn't understand, we would often, as kids, you know, really, like, hurt ourselves to get back at our parents. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that sometimes we act that way toward ourselves. That it's pretty easy to see a kind of child-parent relationship in someone going to get a vaccine. And the parental <laughs> part of them is marching them off to do it, and the child part of them is going, oh, do we really have to? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that could be possible. Yep, that, I could see that happening within myself. And then the kid is just going to, you know, like sulk and whine, and time's up. It's not fine. And you had your sulk, you had your wine, we hear you. You were offended that this happened. Time's up. Mm-hmm. Right, let's go well, ride the carousel. Ride the carousel. <laughs> do something fun, you know. Come on. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, meanwhile, rashes are... Totally impossible for m- modern science to figure out. Mm. And I have looked at, you know, like the textbooks that dermatologists are taught from. And basically, what they're taught is tell them it's a dermatitis or eczema. And then, you know, these are the treatments cortisone and these things and that things. And they do work for a while. But it strikes me that the skin is what separates me from everything else. Mm-hmm. I had heard people described as skin bags, that we're all just inside a bag of skin. Yep. What's that song? It ain't no sin to take off your skin and dance around in your buns. So the skin is the boundary. And when there's a disruption to the boundary, it can be because we are being rubbed raw, or it can be because we are bleeding through. Okay. The actual symbolism and what's going on there will be absolutely unique to you. And as you listen in, tune in, envision, get out your colors, talk to your dreams, write in your journal, right? Just be present with what's going on there and see how you are moved to be whole with it. And I can ask you to be whole with this because you have done a very good job of proving that you can't get rid of it by (laughs) trying to get rid of it. My voice teacher today said, you know, you really taught me a lot about teaching. I said, that's right, because there is not a mistake I have not made. 
good way to learn. It's the best way to learn. And look how much it <laughs> yep. teaches the teacher, too. <laughs> so here, here's a very interesting area of your body, which is really asking you to tune in and pay attention and it's not taking go away for an answer. <laughs> yep. So in that situation, our best bet is to ally ourselves with this, find out how it is an aspect of our wholeness and how we can integrate that wholeness. I found that in relationships, I was often living, leaving the relationship because I was being told what to do, and I don't like to be told what to do. And I thought, really? Well, if you don't like to be told what to do, why do you keep being in relationship with people who do that? And okay. so I thought, all right, so I need to find a way to nourish that part of me that does like to be told what to do, because it's a pretty small part. It might be there, but it's not a very really big part. So I found that I could absolutely be told what to do at my yoga class. Oh. I went to that class and continued to go to my yoga class with absolute submission. Oh. And it's very relaxing to have that for an hour. Mm-hmm. So I get to satisfy the part of me that likes to be told what to do. And I don't have to live with somebody who tries to do that all the time. <laughs> I like that. I remember that. Which is what's happening, right? Somebody's trying to tell you something all the time now. Right? Maybe you could give it an hour now and then rather than all the time. It often works like that. Mm-hmm. Did any of this touch on your second question? Um, that was for... Now, I'm assuming that, like, some of the things... Well, I'm assuming, like, some of the things are all a factor, like constipation, bloating, fatigue, all probably is entwined with whatever is causing the candida. So I've been trying to lower my stress, and which is, you know, for all things. What do you... What, um, please define constipation for me. Um, not going every day. Uh huh. And then sometimes you go. You, you know. go every other day. Um, sometimes every other day. Every once in a while, it's every third or fourth day. Uh huh. And you're bloated. Yeah. All of the time, or just certain times. Mm-hmm. Just certain times. Like some mm-hmm. days it will be really bad, and some days it won't. And I eat a variety of things, and so I haven't really pinpointed what it is because sometimes something will bother it and sometimes it won't. Uh-huh. So I haven't really pinpointed what it is. Uh-huh. It may not be any one particular thing. 
one of the worst things that we can do to ourselves is to create food foibles. Yes, I've been trying to avoid that. I'm like, I don't yes. need to be, I don't think I need right. to be gluten free. I'm trying to like Just, manage know, things. To be, to be, so, one of the things that I find is that people often don't cook their vegetables enough. Mm. Where do you think you are in the line of um, vegetable cookers? Depends what I eat. If it's something that is cooked, I feel like I do cook it. I leave it, I don't leave it super crunchy or raw, but I, I guess it depends on the vegetable, but usually pretty soft but not mushy. And then um, I do eat, I was eating salads almost every day for a while, and I felt like that made it way worse. So then sometimes I'll have a salad maybe once a week, once every other week, but I try to have more cooked vegetables. All right. So when you cook greens, for instance, you eat cooked greens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll cook so, them usually until they're wilted. And that's about how long? Um, that's a good question. Maybe four, three to four minutes. Mm-hmm. In order to get any nutrition from those vegetables, in order for those vegetables not to create bloating, they need to be cooked for 60 minutes. Really? Yes. Like sauteed on a pan? No. Or in the oven? You can bake them, yes. Baked vegetables is a wonderful way to go. In fact, I usually bake my vegetables for an hour and a half. And what heat? I usually put the oven up to 450 while I'm cutting oh, up wow. the vegetables, put them on a sheet pan with olive oil and any seasonings that I want, and cover them with foil, and put them in the oven and turn the oven down to about 375. So it goes into a very hot oven, and then I turn the temperature down, and it stays at that for an hour. And then after an hour, I take the foil off, and depending on what kind of vegetables and how crisp I want them, I might turn the heat up a little bit or turn it down or even just lay a piece of foil loosely across the top for them to finish up their last 15 to 25 minutes. Okay. But usually what I do with greens, and that's roasted vegetables. I wouldn't do that with greens. What I do with greens is I get a lot of them, not just three or four leaves of kale, but a big pan full of kale. And I rinse that kale, and I chop it up. With the kale, I usually don't eat the stalk. With the collards, I do. So the kale, I pull the leaf off the stalk and compost the stalk or give it to the rabbits. And I chop it up into pieces, maybe an inch and a half to two inches, and I put one inch of water in the bottom of my pan and bring that up to a boil and put my kale or my collards or my beet greens or my turnip greens or my Swiss chard into that. And again, I have a lot of it. All right, I might have a couple of gallons 
of greens that I put into that pot and stir around into that boiling water, which immediately wilts it and brings it down into the water, put a lid on it, turn the fire down, and I check in on it now and then, seeing to it that it's evenly distributed and that the water doesn't evaporate away. The best greens are cooked for three hours. Oh, wow. Okay. But if you'll just do an hour, and you think, but I'm going to have all those greens. Good. You will eat more greens. I want you to eat half a cup of cooked greens every day. I do. Okay. And that's real cooked greens. Now, one of the things I do with them is I freeze and eat real extras I have, you can look and you can say, okay, a half a cup a day for the next four days is this much. I'll keep that in the fridge. And then I'm going to freeze this. Freeze any more that you have so that all winter long, all I have to do is go to the freezer and say, hmm, kale, collards, beet greens, chard, amaranth, lamb's quarter, what green would I like for dinner tonight? Hmm. That's nice. Right, they've all been cooked, all the cooking time has been done, it's been done in mass, and it's been frozen, and wow, now it's even more digestible. Now it's even more nutritious because it's been cooked for a long time, sufficient time, and it's been frozen. Oh, okay. And freezing magnifies the amount of nutrition that we get from our food. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you're definitely way undercooking your vegetables, and it's the root cause for your digestive problems, not candida. Okay. Excellent. That's good to know. Yeah. That will be really helpful. Yeah. So I would, you know, bake a sweet potato for close to an hour. I would bake squash for close to an hour. I would cook carrots for an hour. I would cook beets for an hour. All right. I, I steam broccoli. And, again, until it is tender enough to pretty much break apart, and that's usually a little bit further than most people take it. And I understand that when I do that, that most of the B vitamins, which are water-soluble, are now in the water of the steamer, which, let's face it, I'm going to throw away. Oh, I drink mine. Is that not a good thing to do? You can do that. It's just like, ugh. I don't like the taste of it very much at all. So what we will sometimes do instead is to cut the broccoli up, and we'll do this with things like green beans as well, and saute them in some hot olive oil. And then add some water to the pan and cook them for an hour. Okay. Okay. I would, lots of notes. I, would, I would guess that not drinking the broccoli cooking water by and of itself would end your bloat. You said what? I would think that not drinking the cooking water from plants in the cabbage family, that if you would stop doing that one thing, that it would end your bloat. 
oh, okay. <laughs> I just assumed, oh, I'm getting the nutrients too. I don't do it often, but every once in a while. <laughs> so I'll stop nursing, doing that. Nursing women with baby sedicolicky are told not to eat anything from that family because it makes the babies have gas. Yep, I found that out the hard way when I had my daughter 14 years ago. I was very sad to give up broccoli and cabbage and garlic well, and it, onions. I think that it's affecting you that way now, too. Oh, that makes sense. Right. So if you're looking, you know, for trigger foods, see what happens if you cut back on those foods which are known bloaters, right? Okay. Um, and the goal is always out. to see what you can do to get the food back into your diet. You know, they took my guts out of my body, tossed them on the operating table, sawed off a bunch of me, and tossed my guts back inside me. My guts were not happy about it at all. Really, pretty much I started off being able to tolerate miso soup and mashed potatoes without the skins. It's a pretty bland diet. And I've I've gotten back to eating absolutely everything, including those notorious brassicas, which were hard to get back into my diet, except for beans. And finally, this year I said, I'm going to try canned beans because they are so super cooked. And by starting with just like a teaspoonful of canned beans, I have been gradually, gradually able to get a little beans back into my diet. So especially when our digestive systems are being, the more cooked the food, the better. Okay. Right. Uncooked food is for really tough digestive systems, which is not mine right now. Well, I'm gonna, I've been cooking Brussels sprouts and putting them back into the oven. <laughs> Good <for> you. <laughs> <laughs> They've only been in there for a half an hour. <laughs> uh, we so enjoyed our roasted vegetables. We had carrots and sweet potatoes, and fennel, and celery, and turnip, and onion, and apple, and pear, and whole heads of garlic. Mm, that sounds delicious. It was just so, so jumping into the cold weather. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Sarah Ellen, are, do we have other people who have pushed one? Um, at this time, we do not have any other callers that have pressed one. Yet. All right, good. So we can continue on. If it, I've answered your question, then we certainly don't have to. But if not and you want to talk more, just let me know. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, I was going to just call back next week about my daughter's knee problems. How old is your and daughter? <laughs> She's 14. Mm-hmm. And could you very briefly tell us about her knee problem? Yeah. Um, so it's partially anatomical and partially um, just from now. She's she's dislocated her both knees several times in the last year. Um, so part of it's like how her bones are formed and part of it that she has loose ligaments to begin with. And then now that they've dislocated, they're even looser and she's, it's recommended that she gets surgery, and we're we were um, had just gotten the MRI, and we're gonna 
look into it when she dislocated the other one, so we have to wait anyway. But I was like, you know what, while we're waiting, I'm going to call you to see if there's any, because they're going to surgically tighten up her ligaments so that it stops happening. But I was like, well, maybe there's something that she could do to tighten up her ligaments because she's tried PT for a year and has done really well and made strength gains, but not enough to prevent injuries. Have you heard about nourishing herbal infusions? Yes, my mom has told me about them. All right. All of them are very, very useful. And I drink them on a rotating basis. So I had nettle yesterday, red clover today, tomorrow probably linden, I don't know, but I go through them. Comfrey leaf is one that I kind of double up on. So I'll drink about a quart of infusion a day for my general health. But when I'm healing an injury, I'll also drink a cup or two of comfrey and use it to poultice the injured area or the area I want to strengthen. Okay. Comfrey is unique in its ability to affect tendons and ligaments. Mm, okay. So then you would put the pulp um, just directly, like apply it directly to the skin and let it sit? Yes, exactly. And there's a whole comfrey conference at um, wisewomenschool.com with 15 or more presenters telling you how they use comfrey and showing you how they make a poultice. So that's a one-stop for understanding comfrey poultice is the simplest. It's just to weigh out one ounce of dried comfrey leaf, put it in a quart jar, fill the jar to the top with boiling water, put a lid on it, let it sit overnight. The next morning, pour the liquid out through a strainer, pour the wet plant material back into a pot with two cups of cold water, bring it up to a boil, let it sit for about four hours, a little longer is fine, strain it, and this time squeeze the plant material as little or as much as you want and take the semi-dry to semi-wet plant material and put it into some kind of cloth that will be irremedial. Comfrey stains and it stains badly. Whatever material you put it on will always be an herb rag. So choose it well. I used to take my mom's stained linen napkins, and she would say, "What would you do? What are you doing with this?" And I would say, "You don't want to know." I'm <laughs> using this hypothesis, right? So, um, and there's so many people at, uh, who sent in shorts at the Comfrey Conference talking about the incredible healing that they had with Comfrey. Possibly the most outrageous one uh, was uh, a Rico Check talking about a friend of his who was in a horrific car accident where he broke every bone in his body and was in the hospital, you know, in casts and traction and so on. And Rico took him comfrey and talk, tells you exactly what he did and how he helped him and gave him huge amounts of comfrey and the man now runs marathons. Oh, wow. 
That's fantastic. So you can hear person after person talk about their experiences with healing, totally amazing things. One man told me that he, as he aged, he had this um, contracture in his hand that he would wake up in the morning from the pain of his hand contracting, and then he soaked them in comfrey and it completely cured it. Wow, that's incredible. So that that would be my suggestion is start drinking those nourishing herbal infusions, encourage her to do it, and encourage her to really um, make it a daily habit to drink some comfrey. And the ritual of poulticing her knees that she can really feel magnificent about it. It's pretty easy when something's been bothering you and you're poulticing it to kind of grumble about it, you know, and go, and what I want is something totally different. Okay. So how can you create a situation, right? Does she get chocolate ice cream while her knees are being poulticed? What is it that is that really, like, lights up her eyes? Make sure that comes along with the poultices. Okay. We can watch a show. <laughs> Great. That's perfect. She can stretch her legs out, watch a show, wrap comfrey around it. You know, when I broke my wrist in Costa Rica, we used so many different kinds of comfrey poultices. We soaked my wrist in the comfrey infusion. We dipped a cloth in the comfrey infusion, wrapped it wet around my wrist, and put a plastic bag around it. We took the spent comfrey infusion, put it in a cloth, like I was just suggesting, and wrapped that around my wrist. We took the wet leaves and just smacked them right on my wrist while I was laying down. And they just, you know, the kids were playing with the comfrey leaves and the sandcastles around my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> you want to make sure that you're having fun. Yeah. Really want to make sure that, that you know. And so moved by the Buddhist monk who was diagnosed with, um, as he put it, a disease that's not only incurable, uh, but will get worse and worse as I live. And he talked about how he blamed himself and his spiritual practice for this until after two years he had the realization, oh, my gosh, no, this is this is not failure. This is success. This is what we're here for. We're here for injury and pain and disease and death. Hmm. Hopefully there's a bright side to the story. <laughs> well, that is the, the journey, bright The fun journey right, along the, the way. Side, the bright side is... Stop blaming yourself. Oh, I see. Yes. Stop blaming yourself. This is what you signed up for. You succeeded. She succeeded. She has a, a, a bad injury. Good. In my green book, I say that we made up injury and disease so that we would ha- be able to play at healing. Oh, I like that. So here's an opportunity for everyone to play at healing. Let's see what Comfrey can do. And then how long should she put it on her knee? Well, I know you said Comfrey daily, drinking it. Drink it, right. I was poulticing, you know, as frequently as I could um, after my tolerance. 
And remember, Comfrey stains. I stained the couple of my blouses because it was my wrist and it was in a sling. Um, but so it, it's up to the person, right? There were okay. poultices laying around. There were ones in the freezer that I could pull out of the freezer and put on comb. There were ones, you know, that were in the kitchen. There was comfrey around for me to use as I wanted and when I wanted, and that allowed me to use it frequently. And even if it's only for a few minutes at a time, that counts. It's not okay. like you have to do it for hours on end. If she freezes it and uses it kind of like an ice pack... Yeah. Can she exactly. can we put it back into the freezer? Sure. You can use it over and over again. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you. You are welcome. So call back in oh November, December, like Valentine's Day. Okay. And tell us what's happening. Good. Good. Surgery is rarely a remedy for something. That's kind of what I was thinking, and it's very invasive and permanent. And I try to. No, I'm so glad we have. So glad we have it. But let's see what Comfrey can do. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Free blessing. Thanks for calling. Good night. All right, and there is one caller that has pressed once their hand, and let us know they've got a question from the 619. You are live with Susan from the 619. Thank you so much. Hello. Hi. (laughs) My name's Jesse, and thank you for all your wisdom you share because I listen and don't ask questions you know, so many times, and when there's no one in the queue, I feel just terrible because, um, there, you know, there's just so much more that you share. So thank you. You are you are welcome. So I want to let you know that I right now have um, that poultice on my face, and um, I tripped with my dog today and happened to have the comfrey leaf, you know, wet in my fridge. And so I was, like, able to use it, like, for a real emergency. How blessed. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, since you've just been talking about it. Yes. It was definitely a sign that I could call. Absolutely. Yes, yes. So I did skin my face up a bit and... Um, the dog was, you know, going to be underneath me as I fell. And so I kind of tossed her off to the side, and she definitely bumped her rib. And um, so that would be something I'd like to know what could I, you know, can I, she has fur, so Comfrey wouldn't go directly on her skin. So I guess it's wet enough. I have given... Animals who are injured comfrey internally by mixing it with milk or yogurt. Okay. Both of which they seem very happy to have. Yes, yes. She just had yogurt, so I could yeah. give her more. I had a, a small cat who was over 20 years old, 
and she decided to go to sleep behind the tire of a student's car, and the student, as luck would have it, decided to leave early, and so as not to disturb people, didn't turn her engine on, the car was parked on the hill, and just rolled oh. backward, and of course, oh. rolled, rolled right oh. over the cat, and broke oh. her pelvis. Took her to the vet, and she said, oh, the pelvis is, you know, broken in like, I don't know, nine or ten pieces. And she said, we're going to have to you know, put it together surgically. And I looked at her and I said, this is a you know, cat that weighs, what, like three pounds and over 20 years old. The cat will never survive surgery. And she said, you're right. But I didn't want to tell you to put her down. I said, I'll take care of her. So we took her home, and there was a local woman who did Reiki. And she came several times a day to do Reiki with her. And I fed her comfrey in milk. And at first she didn't want it, and I gave it to her in a dropper. And... You know, really, within three months, she was walking around and leaping up on tables. Nice. That's nice. Okay. And so, like, what would the dosage for a 20-pound animal be? Like half a cup a day? If you listen to the people at the Comfrey Conference, what they would say is that there's no upper limit of the amount of comfrey that any animal can have. Okay. None. It's used as a fodder. Okay. So it's it's not, you see, well, there's a dosage with a drug, and the dosage is very important because drugs have to have a lethal dosage. If they don't have a lethal dosage, they're not a drug. It's actually called the LD50. You have to give your drug to 100 animals at a high enough dose that 50 of them die, lethal dose 50%, LD50. You have to have an LD50 to sell a drug. But comfrey is not a drug. There is no LD50. Okay. So there's no dose. Okay, so I could actually put the um, cooked leaf also in like cookies or something, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know how much you would get out of it though. Dogs don't dog's digestive system is not designed for plant material. Okay. Well she does eat a lot of vegetables. Um I hope I hope well, they're very well cooked. Very well cooked. Very so, yeah, same, you know, same that I'm eating, I would say so that the comfrey good. infusion would be better. Cook the vegetables in the comfrey infusion. Okay. And then okay. they'll be infused with it, right? Yes. Nice. And that would probably be uh, well for myself to eat. Yeah? Or do you think totally. it would be... Totally. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't yeah. ever... The infusions are wonderful as... As um, you know, soup bases and to cook other things in. They oh, even make boy. they even make good kombuchas. Oh wow! Thank you. Um, that's amazing to know. I had no idea. So another question with my dog. Then her she has several loose teeth, and one oh. of them. Being the the uh, like right on the side in the front, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and so it's right where you chew or bite off on things, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's 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 heck of loose. And I'm contemplating pulling it myself, and just wondering the uh, backup first aid for 
for me possibly doing this, you know, obviously making sure everything's clean. Mm-hmm. Yes, infection and bleeding are the two primary problems. And yarrow deals with both. Okay. So have copious amounts of yarrow tincture on hand. Okay. And in general, it's best to do that kind of thing with several people. Okay. So that one person can totally focus on being with the animal and one can totally focus on doing what needs to be done. Nice. Nice. And if the animal's big enough, it might need two people. Okay. So make it safe and loving for everybody. Right. Right? Because you could just let it fall out. Well, it's been probably half a year already. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it harming the dog? Well, it's painful. I see. So whenever the dog bites something, there's a whimper or a cry. Well, actually, it's been more like when she's um, resting after she's eating or something. She might whimper, yes. Uh-huh. And, after and she's eating. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You would think mm-hmm. if it was hurting her when she was chew that it would be hurt when she was chewing. Well, the food is softer, you know, the vegetables right. are all uh, cut in small pieces, so she really doesn't have to chew much. Right. Do you think there's an infection there? Uh, there could be, yes. Yeah. So then if you think there's an infection, probably before you do anything with it, it would be good to have four or five days of giving her echinacea. Okay. And that will build up the white blood cells and hopefully will counter whatever infection is there. Awesome. I have just begun um, spraying it with DMSO that has been soaked in cloves as a analgesic. So, you know, I know DMSO does have some healing processes, um, but, I mean, this is mainly for pain, but I've just begun giving, you know, spraying this in the tooth area. I'm so glad that you have something like that that you can uh, give your dog to help ease the pain because tooth pain can be really, really terrible. And I think that um, if there is infection and there's pain from the infection, that the echinacea will also then actually work as a painkiller because it will help get rid of the infection. Okay. And that will be tincture as well, right? And I use echinacea tincture and because I want to be sure that we get a big enough dose of echinacea, um, I suggest a drop of echinacea for every two pounds of body weight. Round it up to the nearest 25. 
Okay. And um, so, you know, you probably have some guesstimate of uh, what your dog weighs. Oh, she's and, 20. Uh, yeah. She's, she's, she weighs 20 pounds? Yes. So that would be 40 drops or about two dropperfuls of Echinacea tincture. And I would start out by using that amount every two or three hours. Okay. And within 24 to 36 hours, you should have a pretty good indication of whether or not it's having an effect. Great. At that point, you could cut back by lengthening the time in between doses. Keep the dose the same, but you can keep lengthening the time between the doses. So from two hours to three hours to four hours, when you get to eight hours, that's three times a day. Yes. And again, if you're seeing that it quells the infection, I would wait until you're pretty sure that the infection was completely gone before trying to remove the tooth. Okay. That's such great suggestions. Thank you so much. So shall I also can um, start the yarrow um, while I'm giving the echinacea? No. Okay. Much better to use the yarrow topically. Um, so I usually have be... yarrow in a spray bottle. And so topically then for her for her mouth area, right, where she's... Absolutely, on... for the mouth okay. area, right on the tooth. Right on the tooth, okay. And the echinacea, that, I mean, since I'm going to be putting it the into her mouth... It's like... systemic rather than local. So it won't do any any effect to put it right there on the tooth. It'll have a little effect. It's alcohol. Okay. okay. But not like the yarrow and the echinacea has a very powerful effect internally. Alrighty. Good. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. You are welcome. And <laughs> now that you have us all interested in the story. We do hope that you call us back in a few weeks and tell us how it came out. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Green blessings. All right. And I'll remind everyone, if you've got a question or would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up and connect you into the live line. Um, We've got a couple email questions, and I'll leave it to you. Susan, what would you like to do? Sure. Let's have an email question. Why not? All right. Uh, hi, Susan. Will you please explain the difference between an herbal tincture and a standardized herbal tincture? Is one better than the other, and what is the general difference between them? Green blessings, Joanne. In short, a standardized herbal tincture is an herbal tincture which has been standardized to have a specific amount of one constituent. 
so we might have a ginkgo tincture, which is standardized to have a certain percentage of ginkolides. We might have um, a licorice tincture that was standardized to have a certain amount of glycerides. When we look at herbs from the alchemical viewpoint, which is that they are not so much living things as repositories of constituents and that we can take them apart and use the constituents one by one, then we begin to talk about active ingredients and standardized tinctures. So a scale might be the most living, the most active, but not necessarily the richest in active ingredients tincture would be a tincture made with fresh plant material and 100 proof vodka. There would probably be more active ingredients, although less life force and less liveliness in a tincture made from dried plant material in high-proof alcohol. And we would be taking yet a step closer to a drug if we then took that tincture made from dried plant material, high-proof alcohol, and standardized it to have a certain amount of one constituent. As we can see, the next step is to simply extract that one constituent Purify it and concentrate it. And there we have a drug. So is a standardized tincture better? Mm, depends on what you mean by better. You know, we live in cultures that are dominated by the idea of action and active ingredients and doing things. And it seemed to me, as I was steeping myself in women's ways and opening myself to what it is to be woman, that woman is more about the whole collection of things, not the active ingredient, not the one thing that does it, but the whole collection of things. How the whole community works together, how the whole plant works together, how not just the constituents, but the life force, the actual sentience of the plant itself can work for our healing and our health. There's people's medicine, and there's pharmaceutical medicine, and I'm so glad that I live in a world where all of those things exist. Thanks for asking. Green blessings. Okay. 
And if you've got a question this evening, you'll need to press one so that we can see your hands go up and get raised in the queue. Um, we do have another email question. Since I don't see any hands right now, would you like to hear the second question? Certainly. All right. Let's see here. Uh, hello. I am a new listener and reader and watcher. Thank you for being so available. My question is a general one about serenity medicine. I've never thought about doing nothing in order to have a beneficial effect on my personal wellness, but I find the idea so provoking and fantastic. Will you please share more about this idea of serenity medicine and how to best work with that? Thank you. Oh, well, I'm going to ask you, sir, Ellen, if you have any answer to this question. Oh, wow. Well, I have goats, so that's a great serenity medicine um, sometimes when they're just behaving and things are calm, um, as my dog is going crazy right now. Um, but, yes, I serenity medicine for me is actually, I'll, I'll say personally, um, definitely a place that I check in when I'm well and if I'm feeling unwell. Um, so for me, it's a medicine that isn't just something I turn to when there is something wrong. Because in general, when I'm practicing serenity medicine, um, even though I have an intention to do nothing, really that is my intention. Um, I'm not seeking a goal from that you know, time spent um, watching the full lunar eclipse that I watched or from mm. even, yeah, mm. and that was right? Yeah, so, and that was so beautiful. And even though I wasn't able to stay present and still for the entire eclipse, once I had to get in the car that morning and go somewhere, you know, I was still able to tune in the eclipse. And so for me, serenity medicine doesn't even always have to be when I'm doing nothing at all. It can just be... Um, allowing myself space in whatever it is I'm doing um, to just appreciate what's happening and um, really put my awareness um, to the opportunity to appreciate all of the gifts and charms around me. So, yeah, serenity medicine is beautiful. And, yeah, that's, that's I guess, what I would say first. So what about you, Susan? Oh. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Ah, mm. I think about the relaxation response and how serenity medicine trains us to know and to want the relaxation response. seems to me that a lot of media and culture is geared toward training people to stress responses. And so serenity medicine trains us to the relaxation response. It literally does a response, a whole body response in which the blood pressure drops, the heart rate drops, the breathing deepens, the brain waves smooth out, 
the nervous system breathes a sigh of relief. The vagus nerve really does its thing. The relaxation response. This is this is what we are seeking from our serenity as medicine, serenity medicine, to give ourselves, allow ourselves, train ourselves to have this response so that we can choose it, so that we do not have to choose stress. Let me give you a kind of funny example. Somebody said to me something that ended with you guys. And anybody who has ever been around me knows that my response to being called you guys is to say, I'm not a guy. And I go out of my way to be cheerful, smiling, engaged, and present when I say, I'm not a guy. I'm not trying to be contentious. I'm simply stating the fact, the truth, the obvious. I'm not a guy. And this particular person said, well, it's just an expression. It means everybody. Now, I will admit that I get a little more when people argue with me. And I say, well, actually, guy means man. And I'm not a man. I'm a woman. And I'd rather you didn't call me a guy. And this other person says, Well, it's just a regular expression that everybody uses. Now I'm really getting a little like... And she obviously is too. And we have a few more exchanges. I won't bore you with them. In which she finally ends by saying, I speak three languages and I won't ask how many you speak. And then we had to do what we were actually there to do. Meanwhile, of course... I have a choice. I can totally get into the stress response and going and driving my blood pressure up, or I can actually choose the relaxation response and calm down. That's serenity medicine when we can choose what we want. Of course, before we left, I turned to her and said, "How many books have you written in your three languages? I've written six in my one language." But I saw very clearly that my heart rate and my blood pressure and all of my measures of stress in my body were way down because I was able to see it, not as something that was stressing me and offensive and horrible, but something that um, I didn't like. And it was pretty funny as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the best, and you can turn it into a a little chuckle. (laughs) Are you there? Yes, right here. Okay. Yeah, your your sharing definitely reminds me of that. Um, Sometimes that that to call in that response when 
the automatic might be to just get super inflamed, like I shared, serenity medicine and driving. And that's a great place to bring it in. It's like if an aggressive driver this is like really insistent to just almost instead, like, you know, give away hello and remember that it's, there's more to it all than that. And just let it be. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. There, there are times when there's going to be stress that we can't choose. So every time we can choose not to have it, let's choose that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. wondering if Florence is with us yet. She is. She is here with us. Ah, okay. Well, let's go ahead then and introduce her. Frances Pitt is founder of Francis Pitt Speaks, an international professional speaking and training business. Francis brings 25-plus years of combined experience as an entrepreneur, professor, psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, mosaic diversity trainer, and religious science practitioner. This experience allows her to speak and train with authority. She attracts some of the unspoken thoughts and behaviors of her participants due to her many years as a certified psychotherapist. Frances Pitt, the most frequently requested seminar on a national and international level is The Greatness You Are Seeking is also seeking you. According to Frances, this principle works when you apply it. This is scientific and spiritual laws working as one unit, looking within to acknowledge is that one may or may not be aware of that are keeping one from reaching one's highest abilities is one of the areas addressed. Frances' first entrepreneurial experience was co-creator of the Universal Counseling Clinic, where she worked as the associate director and as a psychotherapist. She later worked as a financial planner for the fifth and largest insurance company in the U.S. and consistently received the Outstanding Presentation Award. She attributes her speaking skills from early training, from various training she received from Les Brown. Welcome to the show, Frances. Thank you. Very glad to be here. What a wonderful um, life you have led. And what an exciting uh, time you have seen in the time that you have been talking to people. Do you think that people are different now than they were, say, 25 or 30 years ago? I think so. I think people are more open and more receptive these days because of more exposure and the changing of times. So I think people will continue to open up because that's the way life is leading us now. All right. So more people are interested and more diverse types of people are interested. And that means that you're seeing what kind of changes from that? Now, that's a good question. I attend a religious science church, and what I see there is a diverse of people, diversity of people, and you have various different backgrounds, different opinions, 
and it gives you the opportunity to learn because we're so our experiences are so different. Uh, for example, I grew up on a farm in uh, North Carolina, so I have that experience. Um, the, the farm had been in our family since uh, 1868. However, the six of us, me and my siblings, we were all expected to go to college uh, after we finished high school. That was an expectation. So from the farm life to the college life and and then to coming to graduate school in um, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, all different experiences and more diversity showing up in my life. And I just had to learn to adjust with it. But it was always making me a bigger person, a wiser person, and I just love listening. So I'm always interested in new experiences, listening, and then the sharing part of it. How do I grow as a result of knowing you, and how do you grow as a result of knowing me? So different experiences, different people in my life have made me the person that I am today. Your openness to those different people and different experiences has made you the person that you are today. Yes, indeed. Now, in your bio, it says that one of the people that was very influential was Les Brown. Would you? Yes. Tell us a little more about that. Well, in my early stage of learning to be a professional speaker, I took several courses under him, and I attended uh, many of his seminars. So I learned a lot from just being in that uh, exposure, listening to his experiences, and his enthusiasm in terms of what's possible for life. And as we look at what is possible for us, and I always say, to the degree that you're open is to the degree that things will show up. And you have a choice to move from a comfortable zone into what I call the uncomfortable zone, which is where all the learning takes place. Absolutely true, isn't it? Yes. Move out of where it's comfy and cozy if you can because it is in those uncomfortable places that fascinating things can occur. Exactly. And I was just reading an article uh, recently where it said uh, when it comes to thought, I think it said 80% or 90% are the same thoughts that we had the previous year. So if you stand in a comfortable zone, you're just repeating yourself. So we definitely need to get into the uncomfortable zone. Would you agree? Well, you know, when apprentices come to live with me, that's one of the first things I tell them. I say, you are here to make me uncomfortable. Right at this age and stage of my life, I could just sit home and do whatever I wanted, and I wouldn't grow at all. So I'm so glad that you have come to disturb me. (laughs) 
Well, that's good also. Glad to hear that. <laughs> and I live to be uh, moved from one zone to another. You know, it's your listening, the way you're listening to different people. It's your ability to hear their side of the story and not get upset. And it's just good to be there. For example, I'm in what we call a guided meditation group that we do on Zoom every day of the week. You know, if you're available, you're there, and if you're not, you're not. But I learned so much from the leader. It's a couple, the leaders, I should say. I learned so much from them because they talk to you about posture, breathing, sensations, uh, listening or, or letting go of suppressed thoughts that rises to the surface. So it's just, to me, it's just a new beginning and a new listening. And I invited a friend to be a part of it. And she said, that's not for me. If I'm meditating, I don't want no boys coming in disturbing me. I want to be entirely quiet and going deeper and deeper, which is fine. But for me, I was open and receptive to the thoughts that they may say, you know, within a 10 minutes or 15 minutes, they will come in and say something, watch your breathing. Is it deep or is it short? Uh, what's the sensations going on in your body? Those type of things were important to me, and I can hear that during a meditation, but my friend said I prefer quietness. So she wanted to stay in her comfortable way of doing meditation, and I wanted to get out and see what could I learn from guided meditation. I'm always fond of reminding young people that the most important things for them to decide is what they don't like. Mm -hmm. I say, you know, there's an awful lot to like in life. But if you can figure out what you don't like, you can really save yourself a lot of problems. Yes. I know that for myself, it was very helpful to be clear that I liked to be outside. And that many of the things that I would think that I would like very much to do actually required me to be inside, and therefore I wouldn't like them. So it sounds to me like you have allowed yourself to explore and find out what it is you like and don't like. True. Very true. And I love being around inspiring people, uplifting people, great conversations of possibilities. Uh, That's where I like to be found in my daily lifetime or my free time. It's basically the same thing. All right. What's uplifting and inspiring person or thing have you recently encountered? Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, uh, I did at my church, uh, I think about 10 minutes on meditation. Uh, the question came We had a program where they were allowed to write questions about uh, things that they wanted to know more of about religious science teaching. And this person wrote, uh, I would like to know more thoughts about 
how to slow the mind down. And I thought, ooh, I believe meditation would be the answer to that. So I took that question on, and I talked, I think, maybe about 10, 12 minutes on it. And to me, I'm sorry, go ahead. To I you? thought you were saying something. No, I didn't. Okay. But to me, what was important was I researched and I looked at various definitions of meditation, and it meant so much to me as I read it. So I would like to share that with the audience. So this is a new thing, going deeper into meditation for me. Uh, according to Dr. Ernest Holmes, who wrote the book Science of Mind, his definition of meditation is uh, a recognition of the Father within you, which means uh your belief or not, but if you do believe, like the belief in a higher power, that's what meditation concentrates on. And number two, he said meditation during your quiet period gives you immediate availability to the, your power, your wisdom, uh, the, which we call attributes of God, the things that you are connected with that you have inside of you, faith, power, wisdom, strength, love, peace. So I'm thinking if I have access to all of that, then definitely I want to create more of what I want in my life since it's right within me. And then his third uh, statement about meditation was, it's communion with God brings harmony into your life and to your affairs. We all know what great relationships look like. There's harmony. There's enjoyment. There's straight talk. There's just enjoyment from being around each other. So meditation really brings you more of that. And number four, his statement was, it establishes the law of health and prosperity in your life. And, of course, the law of health simply means uh, eating foods that will give you the energy and the strength that you need in your body or doing the exercise or taking the vitamins, whatever it is, but it establishes a law in the health area, which means you do more things consciously to live a healthy life. And his last statement was, it makes us a light, capital L-I-G-H-T, to all who cross our pathways. It's like you become the light. As you meditate, you become a light because your life changes. And people can see that in your behavior, in your attitude, in your words that you use, and your speaking and things like that. So just get more into a greater understanding of meditation is the most recent uh, new thing that I'm really spending time studying and enjoying. Yes, I was astonished when I was writing about meditation at how many different ways there are to meditate and that we can use this one word 
but that it actually means a great variety of different states and different goals and different thoughts that are going on. So what a, as usual, you know, what a rich and and varied realm that we have to explore. The question that you were responding to was how do you slow the mind down? And in one way, I think the answer is you can't. The mind, which is in this case, I think, well called the monkey mind, is always chittering about. What meditation teaches us is not to identify with it. Or as one meditation master said, you don't have to believe everything you think you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I think it's important for people to understand that they may not ever slow their mind down. Their mind might still be going, and Aunt Matilda said this, and Tetra said just like we were talking about, you know, before that there's relaxation and there's stress in you. When you train yourself to relaxation response, you can choose that over the stress. To me, when you're choosing to relax uh, to stress or respond to it, to me, that is giving you the opportunity to slow yourself down, slow your thinking down, because it gives you the opportunity to think about what's being said. Whereas in my old way of thinking, I would respond sometimes with anger, respond quickly, get upset. But now that I consider myself slowing it down, I'm choosing not to respond. I'm choosing not to get upset, and I'm choosing and hear myself say, relax, mm-hmm. relax, mm-hmm. relax. <laughs> it's amazing how good it feels once you teach yourself it's possible. Yes. And it really, and it really does. But it does take practice, and these are all practices. Ooh, that is the answer. Practices, practicing consistently, and for me, uh, the same time each morning uh, and during the day to slip into meditation or slip into it before I go to sleep. But to sit every morning that I don't have scheduled activities, and be in this group is quite a bit of discipline for me. I've never done that before. So this is a new learning. And I started the first day of January of this year, and it's almost been a year. So that's discipline, change, and a commitment to sit and practice and listen and listen and relax and relax and relax. And, of course, learning more about meditation because I am new at it and I appreciate the guided meditation, which is basically, as I see it, is for beginners. But I'm thankful to be in a space that it was introduced to me and I was saying, yes, yes, yes. And I've learned to say yes to a lot of things and it makes my life 
much more easier and happier and and new things open up to me for, from just saying yes to life. I completely agree with you. I'm a big yes sayer myself. I figure if life is putting that in my way, I should say yes Indeed. and find out what happens. <laughs> I have another good example of saying yes. Um, for many years, oh God, it probably go back at it goes back at least ten years ago. Uh, many years, I would be jogging or walking or whatever I would be doing uh, in the park near the lake or whatever, and I would see this group out there exercising tai chi. And I would say, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that, but never really acted on it. But every time I saw it, I had this strong desire to do it. Now, this summer, I'm walking through the park, and there's a group practicing Tai Chi. And I stopped, and I looked, and the voice, one of the persons in the group said, come join us. And then the instructor says, come on in. So I walked into the group, I said yes, got in the group, and we did about 12 sessions for the summer. What a blessing. But I didn't physically ask, but the universe had somebody to invite me in, and there it was, Uh, something (laughs) that I had been saying for a long time. Isn't that strange? I love that. It is so perfect. You know, people talk a lot about the law of attraction. And I think that you have something to say about that. <laughs> I I really be, believe it's so true. The uh, example of joining that group in the exercising, to me, that's the law of attraction. I had the thought. The thought went out there. And I was just reading something uh, yesterday, and it said, uh, thought travels faster. I think it says 286,000 thoughts per minute or something. So we can think a thing, and there it is. We can uh, feel something, and there it is. So thoughts are like a magnet, so we are always pulling things to us. And the law of attraction works uh, in all areas of our lives. I think in my notes that I sent you, I mentioned five areas, how we can watch the law of attraction in action. Number one, uh, we look at our thoughts. Thoughts do become things, right? So your thoughts become visible. Number two, and we call them right thoughts. And number two would be right words, words that you use to uplift uplift yourself and others, words that praise, words that really take people upward instead of downward. Law of attraction, because you're going to meet people like that who think the same way as you. And then we say right actions. You say you have a goal. What are the actions that you're doing each day to reach that goal? And then right reactions. 
How do you react when someone says something to you that is not particularly good, but do you choose to surrender and let it move on and pass, you know, just go on about your day, or do you stand there and handle it? We're always at choice there. And then the last one is right feelings. I always say, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? And if you don't feel the way you want to, you can make yourself feel better. For me, I'll go exercise and I'll go walking. I'll do whatever it takes to make the body feel light uh, and ready for today. To take whatever's coming on for today, I'm open and receptive. So uh, the law of attraction, just as we believe all five of those things, we are also attracting them at the same time. You meet people who have similar thoughts and actions. You meet people who have similar uh, feelings. And you meet just, I sometimes say, you're just meeting yourself and another person standing right in front of you. And particularly if the person is saying something you don't like, that's something you probably need to work on in your own life. <laughs> yes, all of my teachers have told me that. This is the more you don't like what you're hearing, the more attention you better pay. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> What I tell my apprentices is, is that's why you have a teacher, so the teacher can tell you the things you don't want to hear. Otherwise, who needs a teacher? Everybody will tell you the things you want to hear. That's true. That's true. I often wonder myself, and I'm still working on it, why uh, certain things that a person can say are topics you know, just seems to go deep, deep, deep down within me, and I don't have a good feeling about it. So obviously I need to get to the root of that and work on that so I can move on to something else, right? Right. Right. <laughs> mm. So you've done a lot in the past. What does your future look like? I am working on that, and I was uh, listening to your program from the moment it opened up to now, and I wrote down some ideas that I got from just hearing you tonight. So I know wherever I am, I'm learning something, but I did write down three things that I thought I would do as a result of hearing you your program tonight. And um, so what does it look like for the future? I think I will do more seminars, and my seminars are spiritually based, the majority of them. I also think I will increase my hypnosis practice each week. I think I can do more of that, and I would like to travel. But I really would enjoy doing uh, the greatness you are seeking is seeking you all around the country. Wherever I go, I would love to be presenting that and talking about universal principles, how it impacted my life, how it changed me or took me from farm living to uh, professional speaking and as a professor. 
I just retired but from this uh, professorship, but I taught for about 18 years. And I think the blessing was I got a chance to share with students all the things I had, lear- had learned along the way, my 30 years or 40 years plus of teaching and training. I shared with the students, and I work very hard to teach them to have a larger vision of what's possible for themselves. So I may do uh, groups with students at various universities and community colleges on that topic, the greatness you are seeking is seeking you, because I want them to know that the desires of their heart is also seeking to manifest in their lives. So I'm going to write the announcement about that. I'm going to set up a calendar of events. And just see what what life will bring to me in 2023. Way to go. There's one more thing I would add to your list. Start drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Uh, say drinking what now? Nourishing herbal infusions. Give me an example of that. Mm-hmm. Most people think of herbs as teas. A nourishing herbal infusion, unlike a tea, is a large amount of herb steeped for a very long time. This allows us to extract a huge amount of nutrients from the plants, which is why they're nourishing herbal infusions. Stinging nettle is an herb that's very rich in vitamins, minerals, and a whole host of other things. A cup of nettle tea has about 5 milligrams of calcium, whereas a cup of nettle infusion has about 250 milligrams of calcium. Nourishing herbal infusions provide all the nutrition you need so that you never have to take any supplement. And okay. they, cost, they cost you less than a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. I rotate through five herbs, stinging nettle, the herb of energy, which rebuilds the kidneys and the adrenals and re, basically removes any effects of stress. Comfrey, which we talked about during the show, which helps short-term memory and keeps all of the flexible parts of the body flexible. Skin, fascia, ligaments, tendons mucous surfaces in the respiratory system, digestive system, reproductive system. And I was just at a conference, part of a panel called What Did We Learn from the Comfrey Conference? And a woman in the audience said that she missed presenting, but she wanted to tell us then that she has, has found research showing that Comfrey both increases the amount and activity of cells that build bone and decreases the amount and activity of cells that eat bone. So comfrey. Every day for flexibility and strength. Oat straw. One of the Ayurvedic herbs of longevity. An herb that is very dynamic for the heart, the nervous system, and the hormonal system. 
keeping us juicy and happy. Linden, Linden Flowers, I'm sure that you've heard of turmeric. And that you've heard heard that turmeric is a good anti-inflammatory. It's not a very good anti-inflammatory, especially not as a supplement. It's a fair anti-inflammatory. It's eaten four to six times a day in your food, which most people aren't doing. But linden flour outperforms turmeric as an anti-inflammatory by a huge amount and tastes really good. And all you have to do is drink a quart of it once every five days. That's interesting because in Wisconsin, there's a huge um, place called the Linden, uh, Linden Sculpture Garden. I think it's over 200 acres of land, and they have a lot of trees and sculpture on them. I'm just wondering if if there is a relationship there. Oh, absolutely. It's a beautiful tree. It's the flower of a tree. It's also called lime tree, basswood, and tilia. Or tia. And red clover. An herb that provides massive amounts of minerals, incredibly enriching to what I call the great braid, the nervous system, hormonal system, and immune system. So I make a quart of infusion each night. I weigh out an ounce of one dried herb, put it in a quart jar, put the water up to boil while I go brush my teeth. When the kettle's boiling, I brush my teeth enough, turn the fire off, pour the boiling water into the jar, put a lid on it, turn the light off, go to sleep. The next morning, it's ready to strain. Mm-hmm. Really all it takes. It's very easy. And sometimes if I'm in a rush or other people are in a rush, we just grab the jar and the strainer and go and don't even strain it before we leave home. Strain it right into our cup. It can be drunk hot. It can be drunk cold. We were just talking about putting other things in with it. So um, the these are, the nourishment herbal infusions are, I think, one of the best ideas that I've ever had. And someone told me, she said, you know, the most interesting side effect that I found from oh. uh, drinking the nourishment herbal infusions is that I can't bite my fingernails anymore. And I said, what? She said, it used to be a horrible fingernail biter. I would tear my fingernail, and then I would, like, kind of bite it off to kind of get it smooth and even, and I would just keep biting until I was, like, down to the quick. She said, and now my fingernails are so hard that, first of all, they don't break, and secondly, if they do, I can't even bite them to get them smooth. I have to use a nail file. Mm. I know thousands and thousands of people who have simply thrown away all of their supplements and instead they drink a quart of nourishing herbal infusion a day. So that's a good idea we talked about tonight. There's a little more information. And I have a YouTube channel, and you can go there and, and hear me talk more about the individual herbs. But you would benefit so much from it because you are giving so much to the world. And this is really, you know, designed for people who, like you, want to give a lot, have a lot to give, and want to to share it. 
as much as you can. These, these um, herbs really uh, give you optimum nutrition, and then everything else you eat, you get far more from. It's quite interesting. I often say to people, you don't have to change your diet. Let your diet change you. Start drinking the nourishing herbal infusions and watch what happens. I would love to get uh, more information on that. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's just, you know, a dried herb, one ounce, and uh, you make it yourself, and you can buy them from Frontier. Uh, Frontier Herbal Co-op, a wonderful place. And, um, or local health food stores usually sell the herbs as well. Since it's just one herb at a time, um, it's very, very easy to do. Meanwhile, I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. So please tell everybody. Okay. I have a website. It's called FrancisPittSpeaks.com. And uh, my information is there. Pitt with two T's? Pitt with two T's? Correct. It's uh, Francis with F-R-A-N-C-E-S, Pitt, P-I-T-T, and the word Speaks. S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. Wonderful. And they can find out about where you're going to be talking about the greatness you seek is seeking you. Um, if anybody's listening and wants you wants to hear you do that, wants to invite you to their town, they can get in touch with you there. Um, what else will they and- find when, when they go there? Also, I have free consultations that are listed uh, that people can take advantage of and the date of the next seminar. And all of my um, background information um, is there as well. Uh, And I think maybe about six or seven videos and also the latest video is the one we did with the, uh, what was it, Crone Hags and Elder Women of, of Power, uh, that pre-recorded video is also listed on my website, which I really enjoyed doing. And I really enjoyed hearing you on that particular series as well. That was a great series with a fantastic title. You know, that they were willing to choose those words of power. You know, yeah, wow. And the climate that we're in. So Francis Pitt speaks, F-R-A-N-C-E-S-P-I-T-T, speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, and free consultations, and external seminars, all kinds of important things for you to connect with and know. The idea is that we are not journeying alone we're journeying together. And, you know, the way I envision it is that it's like a big weaving. And, in fact, that we're reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And that as each one of us comes to the loom and offers our story, spins the threads of our lives, into this great healing cloak. And every person's story, every person's thread is important. And some people 
like you, Francis, have the ability to hold a lot together so that the threads of your story weaving through this great healing cloak add a security and a strength and a presence that's very deeply appreciated. Thank you for all you've done and all you're doing. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a part of your program tonight. You are welcome. And Sarah Ellen, oh my gosh, now that we have the new correspondence course underway, my schedule has to be done. And then, beginning of the year, we are going to start like laying it on heavy about the Hypericum Confabulation. That's the St. John's Word, St. John's Word Conference coming up in May. I know we haven't been saying much of anything about it. You thought we'd gone to sleep on it, but not so. We've just been biding our time. You'll be hearing a lot more about it soon. Green blessings to everybody and good night.